All right, that's song two you're hearing now on the Palmetto EP, which is Merry Christmas to Me. I was just telling Toby um, yesterday on a podcast that we do just for the BC Club called the Monday Friday Show about how we did that one. He sent me a demo on that one, and we went through the whole recording process like we normally do, including the recording the vocals and guitar, and in the end, that track wound up still being made out of the demo vocal and the demo acoustic guitar that Toby did. Uh, I wasn't able to improve them, but I thought they had such a good purity to them right there that it's just Toby doing this a little tiny acoustic demo, really sad and pathetic. I mean that in a good way. And then I got to play with a bunch of electronics in my basement, and that's the collaboration for a song. And I thought, yeah, nerd idiot on a keyboard with a pushing a button, right? On top of if I can have a little pathetic acoustic, you have a nerd idiot (laughs) button pushing. Pathetic little whiny bedroom demo. Hey, this light red now. (laughs) That doesn't really sound like a nerd, I guess. No, that's not how they talk. Oh boy, yeah. But I'm I'm so happy about Christmas music. I'm glad that we. I mean, we've done Christmas little EPs now two or three times. Last two or three Christmases, right? We got we've got a good catalog going. We're on our third Christmas. Yeah, oh yeah, we've done a bunch, but we're in the middle of making a a set of good ones. Last year we did a really nice set of three, and then we did three Palmetto here, and we have a Mm -hmm. three Emory songs coming out still this year that we're finishing now. But there's something fun about uh, Christmas songs. The way I explain it is that you're allowed temporarily to do things in music that you couldn't get away with the rest of the time of year. So everybody just puts a smile on their face and accepts sillier things in songs of genres that they wouldn't. Like if you have an island vibe or you could put a tropical vibe in, everything, you can do something silly or lyrical. And then a lot of times that freedom of constraint to an artist, really they go out there and do something that they just wouldn't be bold enough. So I think it actually causes... It's like an encouragement, like, oh, it's, don't worry, it's just a Christmas song. Just just be sillier, be lighter, yeah. be fun. And that's what's usually missing from creativity or, or, or stuff that's – like creativity a lot of times when your reputation's on the line turns to get tends to get over serious. Yeah. As a trend, it, like it, even though the, Even though the song that people just heard is like one of the Sad. saddest yeah. <laughs> songs I think we've it ever is. written. But it Woo. feels freer to try that in a way. It's just I don't even – like you can try anything. Yeah. Because it comes after like the island vibey song, like a yeah. tropical, you know, and so that you can make that turn from a slidey Hawaiian sounding guitar into a dark electronic thing. I don't know. That's what yeah. I get. A kick if out if of. you join the uh, BC Club, I'll I'll tell you what that what this uh, Merry Christmas to me song that we you just heard is about. But you also that? have to join Emory Land to get the song, right? So <laughs> you got some work to do out there to find out <laughs> all the information that you need. The uh, Emory Land is the only people that have Palmetto and the music. There's an EP there and a Christmas EP, and it's not released publicly. It probably will be one day, maybe next year, something like that. But, uh, you know, that's just the way we do that. Also, 
you guys, I got to say thank you so much for everybody who's already bought tickets to our special event coming up mm-hmm. from Only a Man in the week's end. I've only been on sale just this week. But big response. Um, it's, it's something that our, I would just say our whole team, so thanks to Reva and everybody else involved. There's a lot of people who have helped all the way from the technical to the production to getting the website right. And it's, a, it, you know, it's still the most excited we've been working on a project um, in, in a long time. So I've been very uh, I think the response on that is good. Uh, May did theirs last week. It looked like it, it went good. And the amount of people doing them and the, uh, all the numbers I'm hearing and all the sharing from everybody um, yeah. in the world that's doing this, it, they're all going really well. And so very good. I'm excited about that. It's it's the best thing. Like when I showed my family just some of the clips, they were. I mean, they. This is the first time that I've showed them us playing live, and they were really interested. <laughs> you know, well, usually it's yeah. a YouTube video with somebody's phone that the audio isn't that great, and you just kind of somebody's heads in front of it. I mean, like this is the. I mean, no shit. This is the very best way you could ever see Emory. It is the very best you will ever have a chance to see the band Emory. So that's yeah. what I think. I, 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 now, part of that makes me really nervous because somebody could watch it and go, oh, that ain't that good. <laughs> yep, right, I know, yeah. <laughs> this is the best. This is all you got. But I'm so confident in the in our work and how much time and effort we put into it. I just This is going to be fun. Well, p- most people would be very quick to disagree that the best you could see Emory would, of course, include live energy and being in a room with people and stuff like that. And that's yeah. true, but it is actually just – better to just think of them different like it's different to go to a football game than to watch it on tv in a home theater or whatever with your buddies both are good different experiences but i but uh depends on what it is to show your family it's it's you know i've had the pleasure of being able to have my family come see me in a live event where there's thousands of people screaming for me yeah there ain't no sound that can impress your family more than that can that's true there That's ain't true. no such way possible. On the other hand, if I wanted somebody to understand me as a musician and it mattered what I played, which is right. my point of view, there's nothing better than this. This is what it is that I'm trying to make as best captured in detail. Like If I'm trying to understand what a band was doing, if I go back to when I was 15 or trying to understand what is it that bands do to make me feel all these ways this is what i would have wanted to be able to see to find out the answers to all those questions yeah is the way i look at it it's like if i want to understand what does the drums do how does that work what does that sound come from what makes the guitar work with that you know this kind of what is that vocal what is he really singing like you know that time when your parents get to see you in a big crowd uh they all what do they say afterwards you guys were unbelievable but I couldn't right. hear a single word. I didn't know what oh, you said. Right. The sound was terrible. The sound man's terrible. Y'all are great. The sound man's terrible. That's what I've ever heard after anybody that's not yeah. a mosher says <laughs> they after don't a blame concert. us. They blame the yeah. sound guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys were unbelievable. I couldn't hear a thing. I don't know why you wanted to turn the vocals up. That. Yeah. I couldn't hear one word, but gosh, was it good. I guess it really is that uh, if a bunch of people come watch you, it, they kind of vouch for you and it makes you think, you know, yeah, yeah. It, you know, if it's like seven people, you're like, yeah, yeah, that was fine. But if it's like 700 people, are like, wait. And then, I mean, it goes on up yeah. to 7,000 or something. Then you're like, oh, they must be good. Even if I don't like it, I have to realize that they, they are something. Right. Yes. They're something. Yeah. And it's more impactful to see other people react to you than it is to react to the thing yourself. It yeah. is the mob that tells you how good the show was. Not it's right. not really your ears. Yeah, you're right. 
it's just not what it is. Yeah, that energy. I mean, that's the thing. I wonder, now you got me kind of sad. I was thinking, wait, when my kids really haven't ever seen me live. I mean, when they were real little, they don't really remember. And we, they hadn't, you know, we hadn't played any shows really near them to where they could come see me. Uh, and so now I feel like I'm, I'm facing death. Well, this is it. It's Why would you my want way. to see this? I, no, they will. They're going to watch this. this. No, I know, but I'm saying that you're right. That crowd, like yeah, the next time, better. I mean, am I going to, let me ask you this question. What's the over under on me playing a show again uh, near my family so they can come see me? You think In it's your high? lifetime? Yeah. I mean, high. You don't think like something like we'll we'll get the vaccine for COVID and then all of a sudden the next pandemic will be here now? Like I, no. I'm worried that it's like er, everything bad is still headed. We got oh, we still sure. we just dipped our I, toe yeah, in the yeah, yeah, and yeah. so there might not. I mean, I'm thinking oh it's shows possible. maybe shows the everybody will start getting the vaccine. We'll hit herd immunity. We'll do this and that. But I mean maybe I mean maybe the well, better I'm, question yeah. is what's your over under 2021. Is yeah, okay. better or worse? Now that's a now that's a that is a real awesome <laughs> question. I think you. I, I just think you ripped the band aid right off of that one. So I'm gonna jump in off of the Emory special and let's go into this negative territory oh, real quick shit. before our guest comes. Order on. the tickets to the special before <laughs> Matt <laughs> hit Paul's. Order the tickets and then Matt lay, lay some truth on. Yeah, go to EmoryMusic.com. <laughs> Just you can't miss this one. You want to yes. see it. We don't know what's going to happen. We're not promised the next day, but we'll make We're it through January twenty seventh. It's so January January ninth. I'm only a man. Redemption night and January twenty seventh. Seventeen years to the day. Weeks in release update. Damn. Live vinyl will be pressed of what we have for that night for that one performance. It'll be awesome. Um. So yeah, I think that first of all the way. I can't – it's one of those greats on my nerves things when people say how bad 2020 is. Yeah. I'm I'm really frustrated about it because we broke the meter on that. Starting – to be honest, I started noticing people being cutesy, talking about years being shitty in 2015. Yeah. In 2015 yeah, right. is when I started noticing that phenomenon where people would say cute stuff like – blame the year for something and i right. okay fine and then 2016 it had already been i promised the phenomenon was around and then 2016 with the election mm. and all that everybody just immediately a hundred percent of the population seemed to agree that the best joke was to blame all your problems on the numerical year right which i thought that's fun okay still a little bit cute but really <laughs> You got problems, and the more you want to actually blame them on the year, right? And, and then it started to become serious. And 2017 was horrible. In 2018, people were like, "Really?" At this point, I can't believe how many people are doing this with the year. And then 2020 happens, which of course is a bad year. Right. And again, you're blaming it on the year. Like, man, we got to have a better one soon. As if the problems themselves aren't simply nameable and increasing. Right. Instead, you're blaming it on chronological <laughs> occurrences. I, you know, like it's. I know it's cute, but it's not really. It's not really cute. And there's obviously a if you go a, a mathematical trend here. So, y yes, 2021 is likely to be worse. Of course, it is. How would it not be? And if it's not, where's the likely to pretend it is or blame it to be anyway? Because we that's the pattern. Why will that change? <laughs> What when's the first time you'll hear uh something about the year in twenty twenty one? I like, mean it's everybody's it already up, loading it. 
Yes. Is it moving up sooner and sooner? So, like, you think somebody yes. will start saying, well, 2021 shot oh, in January. They'll say Absolutely. It. You'll see it on Twitter on January 1st. I promise you will. The first thing that happens, it'll be the first joke that anybody makes is, well, there goes 2021. Yeah, well, right. and it, It'll be all the way down the road. You're going to see it more next year than this year. I promise. Because it'll be – because you get to piggyback on – Every you get an escalating effect of saying it topped last year. So think of the payoff of the jokes to set after you know that 2020 was such a bad year. If you can make a case that 2021's worse, ah, right. <laughs> and so everybody will, and so it will be true. It's it's just a, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy that keeps you from actually talking about the problems. It's a cute way to not say how polarized and terrible we are. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah, and you're it right. will continue. And just talk about the pandemic itself, whether there's another one or whatever. The pandemic's biggest danger has never been viral deaths, in my opinion. It is potential cascade effects from there. Right. Do you know what I mean when I say cascade effects? I think I do. You, like if you, you just imagine like the hospitals a, being filled and then what that plays on our finances and people delivering food and Stuff yeah, like that, well, just, mean? I mean, beyond the pandemic, I'm just saying, you know, globally, you could turn that into an economic crash and then a war right, and then nuclear right. war, and then there's no more humans on Earth. Oh, that's yeah. easy. That could happen super easy in a way that without a pandemic, it wouldn't be likely for those. You right. Know, it's, it's something unrelated to the first thing. Like, you know, when your wife gets all bent out of shape driving, she's almost likely to have an accident in the next few minutes or so. It yeah, those women drivers, too. right? Yeah, yeah, women, not men aren't like that, but women are. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Once you're flustered, once the thing, then it's everything can go wrong. I right. mean, I, my, Bridget does that. Like, I, as soon as she I gets flustered, yes. then I know she's about to crash right. the car next. Yeah. So I, I know that it's. The, I know the she odds went from one percent. I know to, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. She knows it because it's that fuck it. You, you it, just don't, don't have give a grip a shit about anything. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And so everybody's making decisions from that point of view. So it, unrelated things to you know biology can become a problem pretty quickly. Right. And it's, you just imagine if there's a bunch of pools, pools f- filled with a waterfall, and then you dump up a bunch of more volume, all the pools, yeah, overflow at once, cascade kind of thing. So I don't see any, you know, you know, th- there is one glimmer of hope that 2021 won't be good, and you know what it is. Something what? completely non-controversial or divisive, a vaccine. Right. <laughs> That's our that we we got one thing in our column, a vaccine that right. is going to tear everybody apart more. Yeah, this is going to destroy. So yeah, There's it will make so have hilarious jokes about the uh, the year. We'll start probably blaming months soon. It'll be hilarious. I know. I sent you that TikTok, but it's a guy going. Uh, no vaccine for cancer or cure for cancer. There's no cure for HIV the va- or the vaccine for that, the medicine for that. It took this long, whatever he was saying. And he's like, and I'm supposed to, uh, they, they made this vaccine within a year and I'm supposed to trust it. And I was yeah, like, uh, uh, I mean, you're going to hear, yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy. Now what's going to be, the only thing I will say about the vaccine that's going to be really interesting is how, uh, the left and the right might come together against it. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, like some of the conspiracy, yeah, crazy right. QAnon yeah. people, yeah. the left, you know, are yeah, against a lot right. of vaccines and stuff too. I mean, they're going to be some weird that, groups that come together. You're like, holy shit, what are they doing together? Fighting the vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> you know maybe, I mean? maybe that's our only chance at reunification is for everybody <laughs> to just purely unite against Bill Gates and we'll be fine. Yeah. We, just need, we, just we need do it. need an enemy, don't we? I mean, that's yeah. that, that, yeah. after 9-11, you did feel more connected to people and American in a sense because we had a common enemy and now we have this common enemy uh, in COVID but but no one wants to 
agree on how to handle it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, with the terrorists, you go, wait, even if it was wrong and that we shouldn't have, you know, we all thought there's terrorists, you know what they are, where they live, and we need to stop them from doing this ever again. Now, yeah. th- with COVID, it's, don't, I ain't wearing a mask. I am wearing a mask or, you know, the vaccine, no vaccine. I mean, there's a bunch of different views on it. So it'll well, be interesting I'm, to see I'm the people I'm interested in this vaccine one because I get it that you hate other people and need to take a stand. And you've, I even get it that you're not, that you're not that dumb and you are making a calculated risk to not wear a mask that I don't think is extreme risk on your part. I understand your logic to not wear yeah. a mask. I, I get it. And I even understand why it's worth that risk in order to stand your ground against what you feel. I understand where that comes from. But strategically, it puts you in a terrible mental place yeah. for the next pandemic. Because right. like they said, because there will be another one oh, and yeah. there will be a worse one. And you're already like, that makes me quite uncomfortable how unlikely you'll be. Like, that's going to be hard for you. Like, of course, you can just go back and go, I'll, I'll wear a mask this time because this was right. different. That, But statistically, that's going to be harder for you to overcome mentally. And a lot of people will just ride their pride. Like, well, I guess I was on the mask, t- no mask team last time, even though this one's killing 13% of people and children. You know, like you have people right. on some point of pride where they don't want to, you know, like yeah, that's a, know. like, yeah, this one isn't as bad as they said. And so you can make this stand here and make your point. It's not as bad as they, some people are trying to scare you at least. So you're reacting to that. I understand. Yeah. With some not totally lacking logic and you're not a total idiot for taking those risks, I don't think. But if it was worse, would you change your mind or are you just committed to... That added that fucking that, attitude. I don't know. Well, the other thing too like is how Republican I, can you get to where you you would wear one? You won't. I mean, what will you, what will the show? I mean, you might be hold if, your ground. You, know, you might just like hold I your will ground. never get anything, and it can. I don't know. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm, I'm wondering people if hold it, their ground. I'm wondering if 2021 is going to be something that's not even a pandemic. Maybe you know because there's always something like the uh, killer bees or the murder hornets. What if it's some something like that from the animal kingdom or insect world, and it's just it's unbelievable, like uh, butthole eating beetles. And they do eat your butthole. <laughs> and well, you, there's nothing, and we just have to fight them. I mean, I mean there's going to be something else. What if it's not a pandemic? What if it's a whole other, I mean, an asteroid? You wouldn't be surprised at all if you found no. out, uh, there's an asteroid aliens. headed this way. No, I, I mean, yeah, there's aliens. zero you'd be shocked by now, I think. I mean, you're suggesting pestilence with that last one, but I doubt it. But maybe. But you know what? I do, I do think you might be. Pestilence. Oh, it, God. Well, I mean, you said you like a biblical? beetle that eats your butt. Oh, you trying to go biblical? Well, I was just trying to give it a count. I was just trying to have a funny little butthole beetle joke. You went <laughs> pestilence. Now I'm really worried. This is end times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that you. It's you over. Can, well, first of all, that is a biological thing, just like a virus. And then that blurs across to what we're saying right now, making the point that a mind virus might just be worse. I, and it really might be like there's a mind virus that'll make you not wear a mask. To a biological right. virus, and right. we all understand that that could increase. Right. That propaganda, disinformation, yep. fear, polarization can all increase. In which case, the mind virus mm-hmm. increases, and yep. it could be so bad that it opens the pathway for the real virus. I mean, or is the mind virus the real virus? And what other mind viruses and cults and all kind of things will arise in the next decade that will take out? large amounts of people. I think mind viruses are likely to become as bad or worse than the biological ones. Told you we would go somewhere dark after that. 
With Emory spe- that's why you what? had to already have bought the tickets to the Emory special. You're saying a mind virus would be worse than a cock-eating cricket. It could be, <laughs> but I don't know. It depends on the details. I mean, if you know. What if men just had to always run as hard as they could from the car to the end? <laughs> you heard the Damn legs. Crickets. You hear the legs rubbing together. Yep. Yeah. Oh shit! Is the will there be political divide over who does and doesn't wear jock straps to avoid the cock eating cricket? <laughs> I ain't wearing no jock. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm if a man. Comes damn for it. me, it comes. Okay. Yeah. What do you if want me to say? It's my time. <laughs> if it's my time for get my cock chewed off by cockroach, then it's my fucking time. Okay. Thirty years from now, watch my dad's cock get eaten off and killed in the front yard. <laughs> they were on him in two seconds. Those damn crickets. All, All right, right, let's bring on our guest. Yeah, Toby, we have Jonathan Mitchell on in a second. If you want to tell him uh, who he is, uh, but before we do that, let's uh, listen to a little bit of music. I'll tell you about it. Could that be punk rock Christmas music that I hear? I think it is. Let me tell you a little about this. Now, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I have some connections in the music business. And from time to time, I hear about projects and secret things that other people wouldn't necessarily know about. And I'm allowed to share some of it with you. I'm looking at a press release here for this music you're hearing right now. And it is, in fact, the band The Murderers, as in gold frankincense and murder. This is a punk supergroup. And they come out of the North Pole punk scene. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the North Pole punk scene. They don't let a lot of media in. But it's rumored to be even more brutal than the Scandinavian black metal scene, believe it or not. And uh, this group has got members from, you know, other superstar bands like the Dead Kringles and, of course, everyone's favorite North Pole punk legends, Prancid. Their debut album, The Murderers Slay Christmas, also features appearances from the members of Man Alive, Blenderhead, and Useless ID. And it was mixed by Vince Ratty, who's mixed some of the records for bands like Circus Survive, Brand New, and Me Without You. So this is good stuff. The production's great. I love it. And, of course, one of my favorite things is licenses people take with Christmas music to do extra special fun things that you do for a season of the year from time-honored carols like deck the halls to modern classics like have yourself a merry little christmas the murderers debut ep features hard-hitting versions of your favorite holiday songs and their follow-up ep the murderers slay some more comes out this friday so slay christmas punk style with the murderers by adding this album to your Christmas playlist on Spotify and grab the album on Bandcamp. That's Murderers, you know, M-Y-R-R-H-D-E-R-E-R-S <laughs> on Spotify, Bandcamp, or iTunes. I love it. All right, we got Jonathan Mitchell coming up. Um, I'm excited about this. He does a podcast called The Truth, and it is just so awesome. It's basically like radio drama, like those old school radio dramas in the present time, but the stories are really good. They have great actors, great storylines. And so uh, I just hit him up and was like, hey, man, I've been listening to your podcast. Would you want to come on and talk about it? Because I'm fascinated by that. In fact, Matt, I, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. I probably won't talk to him about it, but I would love to be a voice actor and I'd love to write some stories like this. And so maybe that's in our future too. I don't know. But anyway, let's bring on Jonathan Mitchell. Jonathan, you there? Your room looks exactly, exactly like all of our friends' rooms. We've been in a band <laughs> for since, since about 2000, 2001. 
Uh-huh. And everybody now has rooms that look like yours with keyboards to the side. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it looks messy in a way that you know what where everything is, maybe. <laughs> Somebody yeah. else might not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's sort of things just get, sort of pile up. Yeah, that's the like, way it happens, yeah. exactly, 100%. Uh, so I love, I guess Matt and I were talking. I don't know exactly what you call what you do. Is it, is it a podcast? Is it radio drama? Yeah, it's a podcast. It's like a fiction podcast yeah. or a dramatic fiction podcast. Well, well, the reason why I ask that is because it seems like it's so much more. Like that, That's why I was just so drawn to it. So I have for quite a while been drawn to podcasts like yours, um, just storytelling podcasts. I, I kind of got my hooks. The hooks got into me with it with a podcast called We're Alive. I don't know if you know that one or not, oh, but sure, it's like yeah. a zombie apocalyptic one. And uh, I used to go jogging at night and listen to that, and I just freaked myself out. And, and I'd push harder because I was—I'd pretend a zombie was chasing me or something like that, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, yours, I was looking for—you know—storytelling podcasts, um, podcast drama series, and stuff like that. And I stumbled upon yours recently, and I just loved it. The very first one I heard was a recent one, was uh, Married Alive, uh-huh. and yeah. it caught me off guard because I didn't know what to expect uh, because. It, the dynamic in it, and just, this is just a little explanation for our listeners too. The dynamic, I won't give give it away, but just a married couple and they're have you know not doing that well in married life and in the current moment are trapped under ice of avalanche. And the story goes on, and at the end, just the sound effects and the moment gets super emotional, and it caught me off guard because once again, I, lots of times when I'm exercising is when I listen to podcasts, and I was just caught off guard by it. I was like, this is phenomenal! Like the sound effects alone of this that. It is working, like because it, it gets loud and intense, and there's music and sounds, and the voices are coming in, and I was like, "Whoa, what is happening?" And I was like, "I'm gonna see if I can get Jonathan on the pod because oh, cool. <laughs> I want to talk to him about that." That's so nice. you've been doing this for quite a while. Like, what you got into this, and what, what, what yeah. how'd you even get into doing the Truth Podcast? Uh, well, I've been doing this podcast since 2012, and um, and I had been working in public radio for about 15 years before that. So I started working in radio like in the mid '90s, and um, I uh, I had worked for all kinds of different shows, done a lot of freelance work, and um, I I'd been a part of creating a, a number of shows over the mm-hmm. years, and so I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to start a radio show, and um, I always wanted to make a fiction show. I um, this kind of goes back to when I was in college. I was really interested. I mean, I was a, I studied music in college, and I became really, really interested in the recording studio. And I also really wanted to be a filmmaker, but I didn't have access to f- filmmaking equipment or anything like that. This is like 1991 or something. Yeah. And um, and so I thought, well, I could make a movie if I didn't have picture if I didn't need pictures, right? You know, and um. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And I made my thesis project an audio drama uh, when I was in graduate school. And um, and so that was always sort of in the back of my mind is like I wanted to I wanted to do more stuff. That was what I wanted to do. Yeah. And why I got into radio was to do like, like audio drama or to ex- explore what you could do with the medium in a way that was maybe closer to what a film might sound like. And um, I've done a lot of documentary work too, but I just want—I wanted to do fiction, and I knew that public radio didn't have a lot of fiction opportunities. So I thought, well, maybe someone—I sh- I should make a show about that—that that is a fiction show for public radio. And so we, we spent 
many years trying to make that happen and eventually made a podcast to try to try to help that happen. And um, uh, it turned out that the podcast was much a much better idea. You know, it, I, I, it, it was it just seemed much smarter to pursue the podcast. Yeah, you know. that's interesting. We have a real uh, a lot of overlap here, but in, in some different ways. But that's uh, it's fascinating because uh, the way you talk about being into, you know, you come from a music background, went to music school. Toby and I also did. And Toby uh-huh. and I have been playing music in a band for the last 20 years. And you've been in radio and story and talk and stuff like that. And then in 2014, we got into podcasting because we're just conversational type people and found the medium. And through that have become interested in story and narrative. And so now we're kind of absorbing and onboarding stuff like that, which is partly why it's of interest. And uh, I feel the same way. I always have that music and talking are the mediums that I like the best and are most natural to me because, and I don't, I don't know if there's something to this or not, but they're not really visual mediums, neither one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a very visual person. I don't really think in images or, you know, and camera, same thing, camera equipment's a barrier and all that stuff. So just, you know, the idea of creating an audio space is just so much simpler. So I've always kind of been fascinated and on a parallel journey in that way. Yeah. And I also really like the idea that mu- that's, Talking can be music too. Like there's something mm-hmm. very musical about speech, and I was um, I, I was just really drawn to that immediately um, when I started working in the recording studio. I started recording people talking and making these abstract musical collages out of it, and um, I, I really wanted to see what I could do by combining that idea with narrative storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's and what I music think. Yeah. Going right along with that too, like a whole nother layer right into yeah. it. So the engineering, the music, and the content itself—that's like three pretty powerful things yeah. stacked up. And it's nice uh, when you, they, like, they blend into it. Like the music becomes part part of the, like, and in, in integral to the content to the point where if you took it away, it would it wouldn't mean the same thing, you know? Yeah, like even with Married Alive, that one of the, I think it's the second latest episode. Um, the music helps reveal emotion and the moment, whereas in a movie it would be facial expression or the sweat on their brow, or there there would be it would be given to you. And I I like see Matt says it's not visual. To me, it's almost more visual because I love the creative idea of I get to decide what this person looks like. I yeah. I, I can tell from their voice it gives me some clues, <laughs> but like that like what. I always liked it when I read a book. You know, I'm a big Stephen King fan. I'd read one of his books, and then you know a movie was made about it. And I, the way they interpreted the scene was not how I, you know, it was this school, and I always pictured the school was like this. But right. then when they did this, it was this other way. And I, I thought that was I, just with your podcast. I think it's so neat. I get to dis- decide for myself a little bit of the character. The character is actually way more personal. It's yeah. not just fed to me. Exactly. It's like it's you visualize things the way you remember them from other experiences. You know, right. like like when you hear a voice, you're like the 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 picture you create in your mind tends to be like other people you've known who kind of sounded like that. Right. And so and so the pictures you create are very personal. They're very yeah. very connected to your memories, <laughs> and they, they feel intimate. Yeah, you know. this this is making me laugh yeah. because I really am weird then because I, I really don't you don't like do I, that, I just listened to the episode of yours uh, the fraud one I don't remember if it's titled fraud but the one with the AI is uh, 
uh, the assistant to the person oh, the fraud. does their interview. Yeah. The yeah, fraud, yeah. yeah. It was terrific. I want to talk about that. But for instance, I just listened to the whole thing and was focused on every moment of it and loved it. And I realized when y'all said that, I'm not picturing anybody in my head. I'm not picturing <laughs> what that person looked like. It never crossed my mind. I just uh-huh. thinking about, I'm thinking about <laughs> them deeply from their point of view, but I never decided what their face looked like. I mean, that just didn't come up for me. I was just thinking about their psychology and who the person was and what their uh-huh. what was the plot and what was happening. I mean yeah. And never pictured the person. So I actually probably am a little bit weird in that. <laughs> yeah, some people are like that. Some people aren't. Yeah, I, I um I always I always try to keep a picture in my mind when I'm doing it. Maybe not of the person particularly, because I always I mean I know who the actor is and all that, but I but the space. Like I'm very interested in where things are in space. Yeah. And and being consistent about that. You know. But in in that episode that I was listening to, there's a, uh, basically a panic attack or two that occur in the episode to the character from their point yeah. of view, with the music swelling as it goes and stuff. And you know, I mean, I it was completely effective, you know. So, so but to be cool. still non-visual, but it was just I was just having a panic attack. But I wasn't, th- you know, just right here. It was like I could feel that feeling all the way. Yeah, it ramped yeah, that's, up. In, you know. Another thing I love about audio is that it's um it's really effective at conveying subjective experience you know exactly yeah, yeah. and is and, that uh, yeah go ahead i mean is that fun to, i mean that's kind of how i think about it to take that one further i say it this way if we're making music um or podcasts and things in this medium i believe ultimately the canvas that we paint on is the neurotransmitters of the other the receiving party do you right. know what I mean? Like that, sure. it's we're trying to line up a neural configuration I have when I feel something musically, and then have them to have the feeling I'm having. That's really the aim yeah. of what yeah. we're trying to do. Anyway, we use the music or the sound effects or whatever to achieve to achieve that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, one thing I think about also is um, uh, I think of it in terms sometimes in terms of impedance, like. I try to get out of the way of the story and have it be so that the story and the listener are as close as possible. Friction. And so, get rid of the friction. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so like um like that's like that's like casting the right person, making sure I use the right take. Um the sounds should all be like instantly like you should understand them the way that I intended, you know. Um and 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 like like for example, bad acting I think is creates impedance between the mm-hmm. listener and the story. And so like I'm I'm just constantly trying to get things out of the way of the story so that people can be as close to it as possible. But that implies that you know the it very clearly and with a lot of clarity yourself then. Which a right. lot of you know a lot of creators in let's just say podcast land broadly don't necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, there's like some like I I'm very I'm very intention driven like this is supposed. This is I, I choose things for specific reasons, and um, I, I try not to have anything in the piece that doesn't need to be there. You know. Try so, how do you know efficient. the essence of a piece before you begin? So, take "Married Alive" that Toby um, was talking about. What is the essence of it before you began to produce well, the piece? See, I worked on that with Davy Gardner. Davy Gardner wrote that, and um, when I work with writers. Um, so they'll pitch pitch ideas, and then I'll select ideas to to work on, and it's just a it's a treatment, and then I have I pick four writers at a time, and we um, we meet every week for about two months, and um, 
and they're all kind of working on their stories and everyone reads each other's stories. We read them all out loud and, um, and we give feedback on everything. So, so this group of writers is all helping each other write. And so we'll, we'll be thinking about how it sounds very early on, like before the dialogue's been written, we'll, we'll have conversations about like, well, how is sound, what's sound doing in this story? How is this a, an audio piece? And, um, you know, I think with Davy's story, we we were talking about well, hallucinations gonna play a role in this in the second half, and so that's that's automatically there's there's really interesting audio things you can do, um, and it would be it would be cool if if we just kind of got farther and farther away from reality as the piece progressed, and um, his script had much more specific sound effects. Than I ended up using um, in the piece. He was he was very um, sort of literal in this in the sound design. But I I ended up when I was scoring it, I I found that the drone sounds I was using were much more effective. And so like I started I just started messing around with with drones. And I was also thinking of this piece by Gavin Bryars called uh, The Sinking of the Titanic. Um. And which is like this very long piece that has, and so there's something about the music that I always kind of found very evocative. And I thought that that would be an interesting direction is do something along those lines, something very minimalistic, but um, also kind of it gets into, uses harmony in interesting ways. Yeah. And um, that's sort of blurry, you know? And, um, and so I just started playing around with it and in building up layers and um it's like i I, th- I think it's it's that one way i i look you can look at it is i feel like i'm i'm fixing problems like like i'm adding the music not because i i think i'm the you know i want to really add music to something but it's more like well this doesn't this feels incomplete right and so how how am i going to complete it i'm going to put a, what it's missing is this so I put that in and then I hear it and I'm like, okay, that's better, but it's still not right. So I'm going to do change, make this change. And I'm sort of have this feedback loop with the piece mm-hmm. and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's not working for some reason, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve that problem. I think yeah, it's that neat. Seems, go ahead, Toby. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think it's neat too, that um, in that process, these are shorts. So you have to, be uh, you know pretty efficient with your wor- words and like uh, uh we're just talking about married live all the episodes are really great uh the the latest one about the uh conspiracy at the hairstyle uh-huh. <laughs> that one's great because it's a whole nother level of there's real comedic one-liners in there like uh, the, the lady goes hair ye hair ye welcome you know <laughs> like that that joke it just lands so well and, and it's just such a small part of the podcast that actually informs the whole podcast though it informs the a little bit of the whimsy of the the whole episode you know uh-huh. and yeah. I, I just thought that that was just so really really cool that you when when you are sitting there with the writers are y'all having to tear away a lot you're like wait man we're already at way over time here yeah we do tear away a lot of stuff yeah um uh but but i mean i like for example um there's a structure to the show where we have a cold open and then we have a, a, a mid roll break. Mm-hmm. And we, I know that the cold opens usually around three minutes and act one's usually around like 12, nine to 12 minutes and act twos are usually nine to same, same. 
And so um, kind of watching the page count in terms of how long these sections tend to be. And um, really early on, I mean, before we, like I said, we work on it over the course of two months. So maybe the third week, you know, I'll, I'll say this is too long or something, you know. And so yeah. um, we can spot those things pretty early. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's editing and um, uh, it's structure too. I think keeping the, the length, making the length right for the show and, and, and feeling having it feel like a complete story is about making sure that structurally things are hitting, are, right. are following a certain arc. And what I was going to say with that, that is basically, is, is that everybody defers to you, right? Like you are the producer of this, that are, like are you kind of get the final say? Because it does feel like there's a continuancy through all everything with each episode that I like, a familiarity. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably thanks to you, you, you know, you are producing this. And so you have so many moving parts. I don't understand how you can have the actors and the writers. And then do you, are you doing all the music yourself? Are you doing all the sound effects? Like, just give us a list, like all, all that stuff. How, how are you staying on top of that? Um, well, yeah, I do all the um, sound design. The, the music, I, I use this uh, production music website called Epidemic a lot. And they, they let you download the stems of, yeah. of music. And so mm-hmm. I can do all kinds of really fun stuff with that. But right. um, yeah, I mean, I do all the sound design and mixing and editing. And I direct all the actors and I, um, I manage the writing process. Can you and, tell me about directing the actors a bit, like doing voice acting? And I mean, it's perfect for Zoom anyway. That's one thing I think fascinating about yeah, what you do. Is it's, it's funny. Just, yeah, you know. since for, for since COVID happened, I was so happy we got to I got to have, <laughs> continue my job, you right? Know? Because so many of the actors I work with, you know, they they couldn't perform for, and they some of them you know still can't. Like one one really good friend of mine, who who I uh, an actor who I work with a lot was in a Broadway show and she's not, you know, she lost that opportunity. But anyway, um, so directing actors, uh, I mean, we used to do it in the studio all the time, but now we're able to cast anyone in the, in the world, um, in theory. And, uh, I do, I do lots of takes. I, you know, I'll, um, we, we divide the, the story into, short sections like a page and a half at a time and uh, we do that over and over and over again until it's right and um, I like I usually like it depends on the the way it's written and what the story is but usually I like there to be a a looser feel to the way that it's delivered and so um, I what I my strategy to get there is to let the actors learn it as scripted for like three or four takes and then give them an opportunity to be looser with it and overlap and, and interrupt each other or talk over each other and um, reword lines of dialogue. And, and then I always have at least one um, free take where they can just do anything they want. And especially if I, if, if I cast actors who are um, like particularly good improvisers, like improv is something that they, they like they teach improv, you know, um, then they'll give me incredible free takes, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they they can go off and do really interesting things and and discover things gems that you can just edit into the scene. And um, the the great thing is, you know, I'm recording all of this, and so if the first take was the best take, I'll just use the first take, you know. Right. But 
but um, usually it's like some combination of all that takes. And do you decide that in real time, or do you have to do a bunch of comping later? No, I I um, I, I make all those decisions in post. In post. And so um, I just I just sort of like work with the actors and see what we can explore in the moment and make sure the, the writer is always in the recording session too. And so, um, cause I, I think the writer has an insight into who the characters are and what the, what the, why certain lines of dialogue are there that are really helpful to the performers and, and me. And, um, and so that's a really essential, a really, really important element. But, um, I take all the tape and, and post and I, um, I just, what I, what I like to do is go through and cut all of the lines of dialogue out and put an edit between each one and then rearrange them so every take of a particular line is together. And then we go to the second line in the scene and every take of that line is there. And then the third line, you know? So I go through the whole scene like that with like, I don't know, seven or eight takes of a line in a row. And then I just pick the take I like. I go through the whole scene like that. And then I scrunch them all together and... And usually there's something wrong. It doesn't quite work, and so, but I but it's easy to zero in on what that is at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I mean I'm working on these the post production for two weeks generally a week and a half two weeks, and so I listen to it over and over again. And 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 if there's a problem with the scene, usually it the more I hear it, the more it bothers me. You know, yeah. Yeah. and so. Um, like, oh, this one line's off and, and, and you, you fix these problems and, and, um, it just sort of evolves into the finished thing. Do you have any sense of what amount of hours you spend per episode or anything like that um, to make well, a 30 I, minute episode? Um, I, I, two, it's two weeks in between each episode. And, um, and so the idea is that we've recorded it entirely at least two weeks before, um, it goes up so that by the time the previous episode goes up, we've, we've recorded everything. Mm-hmm. And um, then I start editing it the next day, like that Thursday, usually it goes up on a Wednesday. So the next day I'll start editing. And um, I don't know how many hours it is, but I work a lot of weekends. You know? <laughs> um, I, hear you. I believe you. But um, I don't work. I mean, I have a daughter, so I, I, I don't really work at night or but but I, I I'm like a morning person. I like to get up really early, yeah. and start working. So. Yeah, it yeah. It seems, seems like, like so much. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it, it. Yeah, it just seems like so much because it's so well done. That's what I, what what reason we wanted to have you on here. I was just so impressed by the audio quality, the the actors, how well they did everything that happens in it, and then it, it's neat too because, like I was saying, the the podcast that got me into this, is like we're alive. Uh, it's one continuous story. So you're, you know, you can, it, it feels like, I'll say this, even though I really love that podcast, they probably can put some filler in there because you know the character. You know what I mean? Like, well, they, they got to drive out to this site. So they're just kind of talking, building a little bit, you know, you can get, but yours is, you know, every two weeks is something different. This time it's dark. I mean, y'all have an apocalyptic one too, Into the Hum, or the right. Hum, After the Hum is two, two-parter. I'm, I don't know if there'll be more of those as well. Yeah, there's but, more, uh, I think. Yes, but that that was great too. Um, I really enjoyed that one as well. Thank you. But uh, the idea there too is like, is it hard to go? Like you're you're working on one podcast for two weeks and then you're done with it and you're moving on to the next thing. But how do you go from something apocalyptic to a funny salon story where the salon is uh, there's conspiracy theory? Does it Um, throw you off? 
No, I think all those things, I mean, I mean, they're all written by different people. Sure. So, so, um, there's so much of the writer is in that, but, um, but even like, like in choosing the stories to work on, I think there's something in every story that I, I relate to, Yeah. you know? And, um, I think that's just sort of reflecting my, my sensibility, I get ultimately, um, is, is, you know, sort of broadly speaking, the kinds of stories we do are the kinds of stories I like. Mm-hmm. And so and format, I like all those things. And so the format being as, as uh, constrained as it is and regular and the structure that you obviously have a good map for is what you, allows you to be able to do a bunch of different styles, but they still fit the same container. But you have to build the universe each time and make yeah. it believable, which is the real achievement that, you know, to be able to create a new universe each time. Um, because of that, do you feel that it is the structure? And if you don't mind, how do you... What is story structure to you? Is it something specific? Philosophy there? Um, yeah, it's 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 a story structure. It's a structure, and also, I mean, who you who the writer is is a big is really really important. Um, because they're if you just want to see like 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 what whatever is different about the stories, that's the writer, you know, generally. Um, uh, like there's certain writers I work with who who I think I I just have a natural simpatico kind of relationship sure. with like uh Lewis Cornfeld I think has the ability to write a story that I just I I get immediately and I know how to sound design it and we just sort of are on the same wavelength you know um I feel the same way about Davy Gardner and I feel the same way about uh Mary McDonnell and there's just various writers who I I've worked with and um what's so the question though was um, your story structure itself. Story like structure. What school of thought do you have on what how that should I go think, or does go um, for you? Really, it's um, intention and obstacle. So um, I like to in the cold open, I like to establish a world as normal. Think of it like that, and um, there's a usually a protagonist, um, and uh, who by the end of the cold open, that's when the first thing interesting thing happens. Mm-hmm. That that takes them out of that forces them to take an action that's that's different than they would have in their world as normal, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the problem is established right at the end of the cold open, and then um, usually the the mid bro break happens when some interesting turn occurs, like something like the the you know the 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 protagonist is is dealing with the issue and then then it's then then you make some interesting discovery that changes how they can approach it and then that then we come back from break and they follow that new path and that kind of builds to a resolution that's mm-hmm. how i think of it and you say intention and obstacle, obstacle. and is that similar uh as you would say uh desire and fundamental misbelief it, of the, of the protagonist, I was reading a book that had it set, huh. set you know said it that way that the protagonist has a uh, a, a main desire, yeah, and desire also and a fundamental intention, mist- I think are, yeah, are the same thing. Something that they un- misunderstand that they'll be forced to reckon with or something. Uh huh. That's interesting. Yeah, that's maybe more of a subconscious anal- analyzation. Like, yeah, that's interesting. Like the the overt way of looking at it is like the intention obstacle, but. The subconscious is more like what you were saying. Um, that there's a yeah, 
That's I, I haven't thought about it that way. That's interesting. It's a book called Story Genius. I'm like in the whatever uh-huh. chapter of it, so I'm just that's all well, I know. I, about it. I just read it, but um, but that set reminded me of what you were saying. Um, but it's find it, I find it fascinating whatever uh, configuration of a mind that you have that you have all these elements put together and collaborate so well and put together a team and do all that. Um, especially in such a light footprint because it really is all the intention that goes into f- film and cinema without the visual. And the more we see the visual, it's like, I mean, the new iPhone thing, I mean, it's like the visuals getting the easy part. And I think that's going to continue. And I don't think the, you know, in my view, the big studios and the budgets and all that kind of stuff, I mean, they're just going to be less and less flexible and agile to be able to accomplish things that smaller and smaller teams will be able to do yeah. in the future and uh-huh. and the way the technology is going it just i'm very fascinated especially with the pandemic um I, this all is just a perfect storm to me so i'm just kind of dumping a lot here but i do want to talk about the future of all this type of stuff and uh and the mediums to come but i was just reading the ar- article like you were saying about these broadway a- uh, actors that's that you know the broadway people at the highest levels are saying this just no return in sight for us like not next year we're not even we don't even you know like it's fundamental rethink time and then also in music you're starting to see these online concerts and stuff like that and I just watched a Billie Eilish concert last weekend and it's in this format that they have that's just incredible technology projection stuff and it's just clearly like developments going to start happening in that digital realm. And it's not a huge crew that it takes to do all the stuff that she was able to do there. And I know that's the leading edge, but it just feels like Broadway's got to go there. Concerts are going to go there. And somebody in your position, I mean, you've got, I'm really curious where you see these trends going or if ever you'd put a higher, like, where would you go as technology? Where would you take the kind of stuff you're doing as new mediums emerge? Um, well, I guess I, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I, I actually, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I I think it's interesting that, you know, people just like art thrives in restrictive environments, you know, and like, like give someone a boundary, tell them they can't do something and that, that, that's, that's, you'll get inspired ideas. From that um but um i think i think eventually you know it's gonna you know we'll we'll get some kind of vaccine and it'll go back to normal maybe it'll take a while mm-hmm. but i think people are gonna crave human interaction i think people are gonna get sick of looking at screens yeah no and, doubt about that and um and that that's gonna i think there's probably gonna be some period where people people just want like live stuff is is what everyone wants, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I I mean I'm a person who I, I've always been drawn to recordings as a medium. Like I think that just speaks to who I who I might what my interests are nat- naturally. Like I um, I really like the thing I like about recordings is that you have control over time, you know. And yeah. I, I really like that the, the sort of working with working with also creating like the magic trick of recordings, like creating the idea that something happened that didn't actually happen. That's really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's simple, but it's fascinating. It's, you can do so much with it. 
and I guess I, I was the reason I was I, I went to audio drama was because I um the some I understood it. I don't know. It was simple simple and I could I could one person could do it. Mm-hmm. And um well, uh I just felt like I got it. I don't know. Um I think I I would have loved to have been a filmmaker too, but um it's it's sort of it's a different <laughs> has that ship sailed though? Has it sailed? I mean, with, with doing the truth, do you think that there is some potential for that? Like it, well, adding the video a- component to it, does that interest you? Um, there are some television producers who have been working on developing a series, and um, who knows? Maybe I'll be. I don't know. You know, if that gets off the ground, then maybe I'll be right. involved in it in some in some capacity. But um, there's also one of our sh- our shows uh, was optioned for a film. And so they're working on getting that set up right now. They, they've, I think they're finishing up the screenplay. Um, so who knows about that? I would love to take one of our, our episodes and just do a short film just to see it. Just I mean, there's see. one episode in particular I want, I've always wanted to do with puppets, like just take the audio of it yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and act it out with, with, with puppets or some, some, some sort of, you know, uh, like 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 something that wasn't animation, but sort of was functioned similarly to that. Sure. So like like I, there's this episode we did Sylvia's blood that I always thought could would be really cool with these very um I don't know these these humanoid puppet characters. So that puts it in a place though where I mean I'm know I'm being a little obnoxious with it, but if the technology really is there, imagine if there was really really cool stylized animations that could be almost generated effortlessly for very little amount of money that really a matched and helped you cause even more effect on the consumer, even if it was you know largely generated by a some algorithm or something would yeah. would that philosophically you wouldn't want that in or would that be like, well i guess we can add that then it or doesn't sound get... as fun to me yeah <laughs> like like for me the fun part is making the stuff the, the constraint of audio only is part of the magic basically in that yeah. sense. And, yeah and and the uh sort of the manageability of it you know mm-hmm. like i can um i can create a whole universe a whole mm-hmm. world um oh just yeah i like audio it. Yeah, I was just yeah. curious if that was philosophical, but it makes more sense that it would be because that's you know, to like Toby's saying, he's got the visuals, so it it, could, it wouldn't necessarily increase the experience if if right. it had really cool visuals. But at the same time, right. there's going to be podcasts that are like, what's the one Toby that does the cartoon that you like? That's crazy. That's a podcast. That's a show. The one with Duncan Trestle or whoever it is. Oh Who yeah, yeah, Midnight, uh, Midnight Gospel. I think that's what it's called on Netflix. Yeah, like that's just some he, whole new yeah, thing to put on to podcasting. You know? Well, one of the things I was going to say. Well, okay, a couple of things y'all were talking earlier. I do think people do crave human interaction again, but that is going to be so much more diligently curated. Like people all before COVID, all I ever heard was. Uh, the jokes about having to go out or wanting to be in bed on a Friday night. And, you know, I'm getting older now and, uh, you know, all of that. So I think the friend circles and human interaction is going to be more special. You're going to craft your life to have specific human interaction. And then it's going to become more and more natural to do these Zoom meetings. Like we're doing, we're on Zoom right now. Um, The cool thing about podcasting is uh, the technology is, is like of earbuds, 
Even, you don't even have to have wires as much. You know, when I'm running, I just have my earbuds in, and there's no wires, and I'm completely immersed in this world. And also, I'm doing something else while I'm listening to the story. My my kids love playing with. They had these things called perler beads. Matt, I don't know if uh-huh. your kids do that or not. Uh, Jonathan, I don't know if your kids, your daughter did it as well, but they do perler beads while they're watching YouTube. And they, and I'm like, <laughs> it's so much audio that they care about, like they. They don't need to see the kid make the joke or the, you know, Preston on YouTube playing Minecraft. They know what he's doing. And sometimes the visuals, they just want a glimpse of the visual. And yeah. mostly it's the audio because they're doing this other thing. They're doing pearl bleeds or playing with slime or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, a, a spinner that thing. You have to, you, you do a spinner to keep your mind focused yeah. on something or whatever. And I'm seeing that more and more. I'm, I'm wondering what that'll be like because for me, I, I guess maybe, and maybe I'm unique. I'd rather listen to one of the, the truth episodes than go to the movie theater now, because the movie theater is a real investment, not just financially, my time. Mm-hmm. And now with COVID and everything, and now I'm like, wait. I, I mean, like some of the episodes that you've created, I've just been so immersed, and my brain is just active, and I'm doing something else, like helping my body get more healthy. You know, so I do, I do wonder, is is podcasting like have, have you? Is it going to capture that? Maybe there's a little bit of animation, like it just captures a hint of it or something. Kind of like a have y'all seen how like Spotify will do just a repeated, almost like GIF video with the music? Yep. You know, right. it's just the it's just the person kind of dancing for a second and it just starts over. And I, at first I was like, well, this is silly. And then I was like, wait a minute, maybe it's not. Maybe you just need that hint of an idea <laughs> of a visual. And then that sparks everything else. You know? Especially if you right. knew that the guy that wrote the song had that visual in mind from the get go on the onset. Then right. you start uh-huh. to actually you'd start to really value oh, the yeah. new formation of the medium because you know and like it's, it's weird because if you think about it from here you could do the one di- directional the simple thing is yeah you go to you get a, you could go TV show or make a movie but I mean VR experience live performance of the the actual table read or the live production of an episode pulled off. I mean, you know, or in a digital space or people that have people in the Zoom call that is the production environment. I mean, there's just so many. Well, that's why I started, it's Jonathan, with the podcast. Like, is, it, is it a podcast? Because I promise, I feel like I it, I could go to the show or something. Like, or I'm going, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's more than just, I'm not just listening. It feels theatrical. I, like, you right, could yeah, be yeah, there, It really right? does. You know? it, it, huh. and In such a quick brief time too like i get so much out of a, a 30 minutes like the the pack that much in there I, i'm wondering like when you uh one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you was even with the actors and stuff like that like you are seeing them play the character and uh do you like do they are did sometimes that did they do things like you you said that you didn't expect or like do you get emotional with it or you find yourself laughing even harder at a joke or an improv part or something like that yeah yeah no i i, I get I have to get emotional. I ha- like that's it has to cause an emotional response yeah. for me in order to want to use it. You know, is that is that almost the point of the, is that what is yeah. that even the most satisfying thing? Um, I love work. Well, I, the satisfying thing with performers is um, they'll just do things you don't expect that are really smart, and um, and it's so fun to see what they do with it. It's like really great smart performers are. I, it's just, it's just so, I can't explain it. It's, it's like, it's just such a joy, you know? You said, I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I think of myself as a producer by nature is my, kind of my role in things mostly, but it's, uh, it sounds like, or feels like you set up situations that spontaneous things that happen, you were prepared for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's being recorded, like, like you can kind of, 
you're not, there's, that takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. You know, you can like let it, you can just sort of say, well, you know, if that, we'll try, we'll try improvising. And if it, if it's not good, we just won't use it. So just, just mm-hmm. go for it, you know? Right. Or, or like we have the scene already, you know, I think, I think all the takes, the last take you did was, was great. Like we, I could use that. So let's just do one more and, and um, do whatever you want this time and surprise each other. Like, like say something that, that the other person doesn't expect you to say mm-hmm. and, and just follow it see what happens and um sometimes i mean if you get really grounded really good improvisers they'll always give you something interesting um but and, and you and sometimes it's just like it'll just give you this this little moment that that you can just take out and put in the the rest of the scene you know it's like i i love i love that I, that's one of the things i just love about recordings is that um it's like I, I, you know, edits are invisible. You can edit anywhere and, and no one would know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that gives you so much, so much flexibility over performance right. and shaping and experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, one way I think of it is like the listeners on, it's almost like they're a roller coaster. You know, it's like they're on a track. The recording is going to take them one direction and it's going to do one specific set of things. But what I'm what I'm doing as a producer is I'm making sure I'm think like like just like a roller coaster is concerned with um, the physics of motion, you know, um, and, and creating an experience based around the physics of motion. I'm I'm thinking more in terms of the physics of emotion, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm 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 trying to give people those lifts and just the right at the, just the right moment, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah, um, it's so fun to build that ride. Yeah, have you found any uh, stories like? Uh, are there stories where you just have to turn down? Or I was wondering, like in this climate where things can set people off in a minute, like are you having to change any of the ways you're telling stories? Well, I always try to be sensitive um, about what's going on. Um, we always like, get yep. complaints about one thing or another. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, some of them are, are valid complaints and some of them are just like, you know, listen to something else. <laughs> right. You know, um, and, but, um, no, I mean, yeah. Well, I, I it's funny just, you say that. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to, sorry, responsible. I, I, well, I was going to say to that point, I was reading some of the comments about, uh, the hum, uh, after the hum and somebody said, well, the, the characters were really mean to Huck. And I was, <laughs> I was like, but what, but well, they the, did but the people could, it, I was wondering, could those people not go with you on the story? Like, why were they, they were mad? At, but twofold here. One, amazing that the, somebody would take the time to write that. That means you did strike a nerve. Then that's the whole point of the storytelling. You hit something there that they didn't like. But the idea that they, like, it's a apocalyptic, you know, post apocalyptic story. And then right. somebody would write, they sure were mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was mean to them. Right. He, I know he that was deserved it. <laughs> I know he totally, that's what I couldn't believe. And I was reading that. I was like, oh, I bet y'all do get that all the time. Like, there's always somebody that's going to say, well, you could have done this better. And, and little do they know, you've been working your ass off for two weeks just to, get, you know, to get everything right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, 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 it's good to, Sometimes people bring things up that I would just like, I didn't even consider. Sure. Um, I just got an email from someone today who pointed out that, um, uh, I don't know whether, uh, how to take this, but in, in this story, uh, what's wrong with Nicole Berkman? She's when she tells the cab driver where she's going, 
She's going to 125th and Park, which is in the middle of Harlem. And the person was saying, going on this rant about gentrification. <laughs> like, you know, because we put this announcement about Black Lives Matter at the beginning of the episode. He says, don't you realize <laughs> right, that, that you'd said that and then you followed it with a story about this, you know, white woman who lives in Harlem and that's a big problem. And <laughs> Right. You know, like you can't, I don't know. It's like there's a million things to think of. You can't really think of everything. So, yeah, that's what's so amazing about this. There are so many parts. That's what I. I mean, are you? Are, is it different actors usually, or are, are there some that you're re? You know, that come back. Yeah, there's I'm a, sure there's actors I like to work with a lot, and um, it's always driven by the story and um, and just what what who the character is, and um, you know, I, I we just try to get the best actor. Who, who embodies the character. Yeah. But I, I, there's certain things I like to look for in performers, like certain styles, you know, and, and I like, like I said, I like to work with improvisers a lot. And so I tap into that community and try to get to know of, of the people, of those people who are working a lot in, in New York, um, you know, who are the people who like to do more naturalistic improv, you know, and, and uh, who, who are the people who have interesting voices and um, that kind of stuff. You kind of sort of get to know the people, right. and and after working with them, you're like, oh, that like maybe I might cast someone in a small part, and then I'll say, oh my god, that that person nailed it. Let's let's give them the lead in the next story or something. And that's happened a, a, a lot of times, and um, and so you just sort of develop a vocabulary yeah. of performers. It's so important because I, I listen to a ton of books audibly, and if the voice isn't right, it throws me for a loop for you know the beginning of the book. I usually can get through it, but in the beginning, I go, wait a minute, this isn't right. And I don't know, I often wonder, why do I think it's not right? It's just somebody reading the book. It's not. It might not even be fiction. It might be nonfiction. But you something think about it's the wrong? Voice. Not that you just. It's, you don't think it's just you though. You think it is incorrect. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, I was like, yeah. why did they pick this person's boy? Yeah, right. You know, this yeah, person right. it shouldn't have been that. It's it's not right. Yeah, yeah. bumped. That's that's. I think that's what Jonathan's talking about all the time too. If you're bumped, it's it, it's just over. It's always over. If you're engineering a song, recording a song, yeah. I mean, if or it's over, your, it's over. Your mind yeah. has to interpolate beyond that the whole time. You spend all your time. It's it's more work, right? To you know, yeah, one hundred percent. And that's like the maybe the reader not vibing or understanding who the author was or something. Sometimes it's just a weird pairing. Yeah, but it definitely happens. But at least audiobooks have to get closer to what you're doing. They're just not talent enough in it hasn't been done enough. But obviously if you were writing fiction, why couldn't you write it in that format like between there between what you have and a longer form book is obviously possible, but it seems like it primarily is people try to add audio stuff to existing novels, but it seems like there's so much to do in between the two. That, yeah. that has to emerge as like new styles of creation or something. Yeah, it's its own medium. Mm-hmm. It's 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 neither. It, it's 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 like I, I like to see what can what can be done with you know with it that's more musical. Like when I mm-hmm. first started, my thesis project was I call I called it uh, an opera with no singing. You know, it, um, because I was you know. Interesting, because it was a, like a plot <laughs> but, of an opera with music, but and no, it, it, it was just it was just dialogue um, dealt dealt with in a 
in ways that I felt were musical. So like spoken spoken dialogue, I see, but I see. Um, but I mean, this is basically what I'm doing now. Um, but um, there's so I mean, there's so much so much good stuff being made that I think I think accomplishes that. You know, like a Caitlin Prest did a piece called The Shadows, which I think also has a very, very musical quality to it. And um, there's all kinds of stuff. But but that's that's what I, that that's like, like you were saying earlier, um, you know, it's like music and, and, and speaking are both just inherently audio. And so it's interesting to see where those two things can really kind of become one another. Yeah, there, uh, there's no know. boundary between, if you, if you just like, obviously just look at, hip-hop and go oh well that's more like talking and you know yeah whatever right. it's just expression at yeah, some that's point and there's music example. now that i find that i that i feel that it's almost entirely this ambient thing and a character talking but technically it's singing i mean it almost but it feels more like music but it's almost more like a scene of somebody you know it's just starting to all feel really blurry to me in a way that i find just yeah. exciting that is <laughs> yeah. a funny that's a funny idea though man not funny a really interesting idea that Authors would start writing with music in mind, just or inter- sound just effects, no in boundary mind or between like them. that. Like, I wonder if that, like, you write a novel and it it is meant for audible, like you know what I mean? It's yeah, audio, like you know, yeah, like it's, it's not it's not meant for the printed word. It's not be, an afterthought. It, it, no, yeah, I mean, right. in some ways, that's what you're doing, right, Jonathan? I mean, you yeah. always, it, it, I mean, it really does feel that way. That the, the writers are planning for your your audio. Uh, expertise to add things to it. They, you know, yeah, you're going to need sounds of somebody walking here and snowfall. I mean, that's why. Whatever. That's why I start from the pitch stage. Is to, um, I mean, the the, it, the audio should be in, embedded in the, cons, on the at the conceptual level. You know, yeah. It's like it's it's conceived as being an audio piece and and chosen like you. I try to choose story ideas that are best or or, or maybe only could be told through audio that's the ideal it's not always true but um but ideally they would it, you know it, it wouldn't make sense to to tell it in any other medium you know right well here's the last question i have what sense does it make if you if you were going to write something that was like a 30 minute read or an hour read that's like an ebook people sell the write them and type them out and sell them Whereas what you do is 30 minutes of media with everything we've been discussing this whole episode, but they just have to give it away for free. Like, and yeah. it involves writers and recording sessions and hard costs and hours and all the editing compared to typing, writing only, which is just one of the things that you do, and then add all these other things on it. And then at the end of the day, it's just a free podcast. Right. Is that a bummer? Um, well, we, we make money from ads. Mm-hmm. So... Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm paying everyone and, um, it's my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, as long as I can make that, keep that tr- t- happening, then, then I'll keep doing it. But, um, no, I mean, like it's, it's not, I mean, I guess it technically, I guess it isn't free because people do have to listen to ads or skip, True. skip over them or. Um, and so, and that's that comes from the radio model anyway. But the, you know, radio, you put, I mean, all the way, it's got a long history of radio drama being a highly produced, a lot of effort goes into it. It'd be a thing that's always broadcast by tradition. It's always, almost always been broadcast free. So, yeah, 
I'm, yeah. I'm wondering where it's headed though, because like uh, my I, I stumbled upon this podcast app. It's called Penna. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's no, chil- it's it's for children, uh-huh. uh, and they do uh, audio dramas as well. And my kids just love them, and they're perfect oh, cool. for long rides, right? I mean, they're just like the one we're listening to now is from Australia, and there's like a they find a a kid who's actually a robot, and it's just really interesting. And and I was even thinking about it when we were going to interview you. The audio, the sound effects is so good, and my kids ask for it. And I'm like, this is amazing because there's no screen here. They yeah. are completely engaged That's in the story, and there's no screen, and we're riding down the road, and they're like, hey, play, Dad, play the podcast. And, and, I'm, and I'll go, okay, sure, sure, sure. But uh, that model is, I think we pay like $7.99 a month, you know, like half of probably what Netflix or something is. But uh-huh. I, I was so interesting. They're adding new ones daily, and I'm wondering more and more will will stuff like that happen? Like there'll be a, a Netflix for podcasting in right. a way where you know you'll just well, go you'll like go there we'll, and there's stories. Yeah, there are various people who have tried it. You know, Luminary famously right. did that, but um, I mean the the thing I think I mean I don't who knows what's going to happen in the future. But right now, um, if I were to put my stuff behind a paywall, I would. I would be lucky if I got ten percent of the number of listeners as sure, I get for sure. giving it for free. Yep. and and so it's that that's the trade off. It's like I don't, I mean, because I can get a certain number of listeners that that I can get advertisers, you know, right. and um and I'd rather have the more listeners with advertisers model because I like because I, ultimately I just want to reach people, you know, right? I I, I don't want to. I don't want to limit the number of people who can who can access it for the mm-hmm. sake of 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 making a little bit more money. Sure. Do you well, think that's the same with music as a musician person too? Because I, I I mean I I'm kind of radical in that sense. I'm looking more forward to music even being less intellectual property and more because you know we've experienced in our career the downloading, the proliferation, the copying as being a benefit to our career, clearly, because more people got the music. So we've right. been able to sell more tickets forever as a result. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I think I, I think the, the idea behind Spotify is a good idea as long as it's, like, equitable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't matter at all. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to make money, though. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm is. saying. Spotify posted losses a bunch, too. So it's hard. It is hard when you sell something. People haven't moved over yet still. I mean, I, there's a lot of people still in the hard copy phase. CDs matter. And, then, you know, records, vinyl has made a yeah. big comeback. And I understand that as well. Um, but it's hard to – there's so much now. There's, I mean, now there's so many podcasts. There's so many bands on Spotify that there's a lot of competition, so it, you have to really be on to really make it. Like, I mean, that's what I think mm-hmm. you're doing. I think you guys are creating a great product that people are like, I got to listen to this. It's worth a, a few ads here, you know, to, to listen to this story because I got to know what happens. Yeah, that's the idea. Hopefully. I hope that's true. Yeah, totally. Yeah, quality to shoot for. It's like uh, it's, I'm trying to get a grip on shooting for quality and what you want to do and not, you know, regardless of even the medium or something. There's some purity that I'm always searching for that I never can figure out what the formula is, but it's getting caught up in products and what's going to sell and what people think is going to work or as people have always done, such, it can be such a hang-up. But what you do is uh, try to do the highest quality and the most you can invest in the thing itself and then, 
you know, as mediums come and go, you, that's the thing that'll be that'll be there. So yeah, um, the way you that's, run your whole system is is really impressive to us. Oh, cool! Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's that's. I, I just wanted to make the best thing I can, and my theory is that if I can make it good, then someone will find value in it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Jonathan, we appreciate your time. This has been great. I just, I love the podcast. I'm going to, I listen to it on, I, I exercise. We're doing this uh, health challenge, so I exercise every day a lot. Oh, and so I've been, I've been putting a lot of them in my ears. So uh, oh, we really appreciate it. And, and good luck to you guys. I can't wait for the next few episodes. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It was really yeah, great. No problem. Absolutely. Okay. So there is a little bit of a uh, storytelling podcast producing uh, masterclass for you. The bones of it, the frame of it, the, the personality always, behind it. People always ask uh, me, and I always refer them to you, Ariva. I just say, if they ask me about podcasts, I was like, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so bad at explaining it. Let me let me refer you to Reva or Matt, and uh, just to get y'all to do it. But the, I just thought, it was so, I'm telling you, this podcast is so fun to listen to. I just love it that it didn't go from... Uh, post the apocalypse to a funny salon to stories about you know uh, uh, everything, and so the idea there is our podcast is we have guests and you and I talk and we have stuff that's going on, but his structure has to be just on point or it all fails. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that's the thing. Like it all feels like you and I. If we start screwing up, we can pull it out with a joke or just stop and start over. But like if he's 75% through a story and it's screwed up, he's in real trouble. But if what we were doing right now was written on a page as a script, then you could screw up. But you can't screw up. That's true. Because you're just you, and that's what, the, that's what we're doing. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There isn't. I can't be wrong, can I? Right. No, you... I guess not. I mean, I mean we, you know, I've built an yes. environment in which I can't really be wrong, you know? Right. Like, that's kind of the right. funny part about it. It's just whatever... We would do here is what there is. There wouldn't right. be a what's, what would be more right. right People than can that. think you're wrong for what you said, but they can't oh, say yeah. you're wrong for saying it. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. That is, no, that's what I would do right. in that situation. There right. isn't, a, you know, don't know what I'm going to say. So when I say it, that's what I would have said then. Yeah. So it can't be wrong. <laughs> I chickened out. I wanted to ask him if I could be one of his actors because I can. Oh, totally, you, oh, you, sh- you know. oh, you totally should. I should have asked. I mean, him. you, you, hundred percent should. Just say get. You totally should do it. Follow up. We'll follow up on the podcast. I would Email and say, look, man. If you ever need that a was Southerner. <laughs> just if you have anything a Southern or anything at all, I can do other accents. But look, I, I've always thought I could do this. I have recording equipment. I can do it. Could you just give me an audition? Could I just submit one part? You don't even have to get back to me. But I want to, I want to, next time you have a part or something, could, would you let yeah. me read? I'll just send you a clip. I feel too bad. I wouldn't want to, he would think that's the only reason I wanted him on or something, I, and that, which is not the case. I just love the podcast. So okay. I would love to, to do that. If he's listening for free, <laughs> I mean, but you know, this is one of the reasons to do a podcast is you get to talk to people. You know, it's like it's a, it's a connection there. So no, you're right. Something you're, right. you're interested in. And it you makes know me the guy. want to. I, That's why I people promise. think you do a podcast with that that Pena app I was talking about. It makes me really want to make a at least a kids podcast drama or comedy or something like that. Like we've been going through them on that Pena app, and it's just been so fun for my kids. Like I don't, I feel like I totally get my money's. How back, long? Which, what's the length? How long uh, will the kid it, it really to depends. It? Um, a lot of the episodes. What do you mean? How long can you? The kids. Well, I, what's the kids' attention span on a podcast story before they get bored? 
90 minutes. Oh, well, minutes. I mean, we listen to it the entire time we're in the car. How like, long we'll is go. each story, though? What's the oh, length, of a, it, it, length it, of a story? It varies, but usually probably 10 minutes average is less yeah. and more. You know what I mean? Some are like 17 minutes. Some are like five minutes, six minutes. And mm-hmm. it depends on, you know, what it is. Some some of them are shorter. But, I mean, there's some goofy ones that they just like, and that's what I'm saying. A lot of it is uh, the sound effects. It just totally brings you in because you hear the truck backing up, and you know where you're at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, the kids, like he said, you remember – where you were in that alley when the truck was backing up to the trash yep. can. You're like, oh, I know exactly what this is. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, as as opposed to somebody going, and then the truck backed up to down right. the alley doing that. that like, I, right. that isn't, you're right. I really do think there might be a idea of writing a book that's just totally meant to be audible. It yeah. is not I mean, meant for the written word. It's just not any creators or people to copy there yet. But once yeah. it gets emerged, a bunch of people will copy it, and it'll be better than anything we have so far in humanity. Yeah, but we hadn't made it yet. All right, if you like episodes like this, then please join the BC Club. Hey, if you join the BC, I'm doing an audition. (laughs) (laughs) If you join the BC Club, you're gonna have lots of fun. All your fans will be there. Hey, hey, let me tell you about the BC Club, Toby. Okay, Fred, what about it? Well, I love it. I I joined a long time ago. Oh my gosh, I love the BC Club. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a kid. Hey, Dad, could I join the BC Club or am I too young? (laughs) A younger kid. (laughs) If that doesn't make you join the BC Club, I don't know what will. It's great. There's a lot of people in there. They do all kinds of things in that BC Club, not just impressions, not just good voice acting. They talk about the Lord, and they talk about science. They talk about AI. They get mad at each other. They laugh with each other. It's a, it's a big old kind of family in there. And uh, also, we've been doing these BC stories, and it's stories from Clubber's life. Uh, kind of, How do you describe that, Matt? Getting getting out of cults or getting out of well, uh, religious Cults a strong word, but I find it applies to many things. But even if you drop that word a little bit, what we've kind of come to is that the BC Club is a bunch of people who have kind of become self-determined and have been able to overcome groupthink in the systems that they participate in, whether that be family, church, you know, your occasional cult or two. Yeah. All right, so join the BC Club. Uh, let's get out of here. I'm going to go work on uh, not sounding Southern and everything that go I Go do your British accent. One more. BC Club British person. Hello. It's <laughs> <laughs> just another
Christmas to me. 